Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Picture List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Hello, and welcome to episode 742 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Friday, September 27th, and it's another Fireside Chat, so I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, it's our final one of the regular season. How's it going? What is happening? You are in a, some, a close race, from what I understand. I'm battling in my head-to-head. This is this is really the only title opportunity I have this year. It's a head-to-head points league, a format I've I've never uh, been super interested in until recently. I got invited to this league um, via a friend who I thought I was joining the league with, and then I might have taken his spot because he wasn't in. The- <laughs> I don't think I did, but like uh, I was like, oh, you know, where's where's so and so? I was like, oh, he's out of the league. I was like. Oh, okay. Uh, And so, you know, I worked hard last year. I missed the playoffs by one game. Oh, man. And this year, I'm in the finals, and it's been quite a battle. It's a two-week battle, so we've got the weekend here. I'm down 60, which sounds like a lot, but it can flip on a dime. We both have quite a few starts left. I'm actually down 52. But, um, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. I dragged my feet on Jose Urquidy, though, and my opponent picked him up. So that was the ultimate devastation. I am so curious to see how that hap- how that works out today. That's going to be something. I have him as a streamer of the day for me. I think it's one like the sneakiest stream you could have gone for. It's pretty great so. on Oct- on September 11th against Oakland. Right, ten strikeouts, five innings. Yeah, if he drops an outing like that, I'm about sunk. Um, but we'll see. Well, wait, I've got- I'm conflicted, Spore. Oh man, I know, I know. Like, I don't want to root <laughs> against him. I li- I like him, but. I kind of need him to be like mediocre to not good. Maybe he can do well, just no strikeouts. Because, you know, with points leagues and stuff, like the strikeouts really matter. But like five decent innings, but no strikeouts. So he's not getting pummeled, but I'm not giving up a ton of points to my my opponent there. So he's also got Barrios against KC today and Keiko against the Mets. He he gets three loser offenses for his three pitchers today. I know, I know. I, I will say this. I do still have a Cole and Verlander start this weekend, though. Well, right. I mean, hopefully you do get them. You should. I should get both pretty full throat, though, too, because they're fighting for the um, for the Cy Young. Well, so right. I, I mean, they're going, they're, gonna, they're going against each other. You would think, actually, maybe their success is part because they're on the same team, I wonder, if they're but, both fighting at each other. But hopefully they kind of amp it up, too, yeah. as opposed to peeling back because they're not in the wild card. So they, they have the time. There shouldn't be any reason to, like, really dial them back. So here's hoping. But anyway, let's dive in. We're going to talk, speaking of uh, 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 the, down the stretch here, we're going to talk about some guys who have done really well down the stretch. These are guys who have actually probably helped a lot of head-to-head points leaguers pulling them off the wire or pulling them off your reserve. We've got six guys who've been doing really well. I use an arbitrary endpoint of August 1st. It's pretty much been a second half type of deal for them, whether it's injury or emergence. Uh, some of them have been doing well all year, but I highlighted these six here that we wanted to talk about and kind of spin it forward. Uh, look at what they've done here in these final two months and what can they do next year. So we're going to go in order of the list I gave you there. So we're going to start with Oakland's Sean Manaya. Now, injuries have been a problem for him pretty much throughout his entire career, dating back to college even. Uh, he went later than he should have based on raw talent uh, because of health at, I believe, Indiana, the University of Indiana. He was with KC, and then he got traded over, I believe, in the Ben Zobers deal. And, and it's forearm, shoulder, shoulder. Uh, the shoulder's been the, the biggest issue. And it was surgery on the left shoulder that that kept him out until 
pretty much what September first was his debut this year. Oh, that sounds about right. It was yeah so, September first. Yep. So yeah, so he. I mean, you know, Manaya was on the shelf for five months this year. You weren't really expecting anything out of him, but then he started throwing in the minors, and things were looking pretty good. And we're always cautious about rehab starts and everything, but these were exceptional. And he has hit the ground running in the majors here. A one-hit uh, five-inning appearance against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium with five strikeouts as his debut. Then he wastes the Tigers, two against Texas, one against Seattle. The schedule hasn't been that difficult, but he's handled it brilliantly. What are you seeing from Sean Manaya down these five starts here, and and how do you like him for next year? So there's a lot to talk about with, with Sean Manaya. Uh, first of all, in previous seasons – um, I've been talking a lot about, uh, well, I've been talking about Jake Arrieta specifically uh, about a year or two ago, saying I don't really trust how he's throwing so cross-body, and it speaks to his command, deteriorating, etc. And actually, one of my colleagues uh, at the site said, hey, it's interesting that you say that about Jake Arrieta, you don't really say that about Sean Manaya. And it really made me take a step back for a moment and think, oh, right, yeah, he does really sling it at times. Yeah. There's a lot of cross-body. If you watch his fastball on a given day, it's not pristine as far as him lacing the glove essentially it's sometimes a little too elevated or comes back over the plate too much he doesn't you know paint it like other guys do and it's not a blazer but does the crossbody give him some of that deception that makes it a better pitch very very much so it does it just makes it um him more inconsistent it's actually what we've seen in previous seasons from Sean Manai is general Mm -hmm. inconsistency now I will say this year in the very small sample of just five stars. We have seen an improved slider, 18% swing strike rate on this year. Last year, it was 13.6%. Nothing, I mean, it's nice to see that also gain in the zone over 40% of the time. Almost a money pitch. It's a 39.3% ah, swing. I'm really disappointed I didn't get that 40%. <laughs> but it's been very effective. 208 batting average allowed. And also, he really turned to it for strikeouts at a 44% strikeout rate. And his changeup has been good. It has it, it's been close to that money pitch area as well. Fifty percent swing strike rate, forty two percent zone rate, thirty six percent O swing. It, it's the the whole package to me though. Um, I think people are going to see this season, especially the uh, the twenty seven point five percent K rate, and think like, mm-hmm. oh man, this guy this guy could be a number two for me for a full year. Yeah, is Manaya taking an, another level? Right, and all I see is one ten strikeout game against the Tigers that takes his season from hey, a sub nine K per nine, so under a strikeout per inning, all of a sudden above it. Mm-hmm. So it, that's a huge sway. This is a guy that was a twenty percent or so strikeout rate prior. I was kind of, I kind of see like a twenty three percent strikeout rate with like a three seventy array, and I he was seventeen percent. Whip, it was seventeen percent you know? last right. year for Manaya. So, and that's what you're hoping for, is what I'm getting at, is that twenty three percent strikeout rate on a full season, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I'm happy owning Manaya. I'm very cautious of the inconsistent command overall. That he'll have his ups and downs through the year, and I'm concerned that this very small sample is going to push. Even though people will pull back, obviously a little bit, not enough. And actually believe close to this strikeout rate, which I don't think is really who he is. Yeah, I, I think that's fair uh, with regards to Manaya. And again, I want to I want to hamper uh, a hit on this schedule. Um, yes, great point. Know, because again, a trip to the Bronx to open up, but then Detroit at Texas, home to Texas at Seattle. That is cake. Um, the Yankees are the only difficult outing there, and he stood tall. He pitched brilliantly against them, but that was 
it as far as difficulty goes. And so I do think we have to we have to keep that in mind when you're already dealing with a, a tiny and it's a remarkably easy schedule. You have to be careful here. Now, in the two early mocks, Shamanaya has an average draft position of 231, ranging from 177 to 297. So that the drafts were handling him quite differently yeah where do you start to feel comfortable with a sean Manaya average draft position i well okay i'll put it in phrases of what sp would i be okay owning Manaya, and mm-hmm. that would probably be around five for me or so if he's your fifth starter yeah that sounds okay to me uh okay i, I mean i hear him i see him here at, yeah you're saying 231 I don't think that's what it would be today if they were held, and if it's at 231, 100% am I in on that price. Uh, I would imagine he's going to go around the 170s area in, in this one. So that that's makes like, him a top 50 starter, and so then you're looking at SP4, maybe 3, depending right. on how you drafted. Well, that's what I think his price will be. Okay. I probably will have him. I mean, I'm, my ranking is going to come out on Monday. i got to finalize it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, I don't know when yours are. But I'm I'm just I'm doing it that first Monday. Season's officially over. Okay, let's do this. Yeah, since I since I've already got the the, the thirty out, I, I don't want. Or it's actually fifty three with honorable mentions. Right. I'll give you your little runway, and then I will have something before uh, Arizona Fall League. You know, and maybe we'll do something. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> maybe could uh, we possibly <laughs> do something together whilst out there who right. knows who knows i uh, now i'll probably have him hovering the early 50s that's my guess i mean there are a lot and of very talented pitchers there i would rather have his teammate jesus lazardo for example for sure i think that's a higher ceiling to chase than Manaya. yeah I, I think i agree with you on all of that um Manaya is somebody I've, i have definitely liked in the past but i am acknowledging that you know, in his three seasons, and they're and they're they're fullish seasons. Health has always been a concern, as we mentioned. But 24, 29, 27 starts. I mean, that's a full season these days. I mean, that 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 counts. Like that's going to get you in the mix of a full season. It's been pretty underwhelming um, as far as like the strikeouts uh, that we're talking about here. Pretty decent ratios for the most part. He had the 4.37 ERA in 2017, but bounced back last year with a 3.59. Uh, the WHIP was bad that year as well at 140, but then 119 and 108 kind of. Uh, the ugly whip so uh, you know you like the ratios you like the home park you like the team support if we could get that 23 percent strikeout rate that you talk about with Manaya, that could be a gem but that's that's betting on something developing uh let's move over to our next guy mike fulton now this was a guy i was not in on this year didn't i don't know i've been i've been so back and forth with him i think the year that i kind of really went all in and he totally flopped uh, which was 17, I was like, <laughs> I just don't know if it's ever going to come to fruition with this guy. So, of course, the following year, he has an all-star campaign with a 285 ERA. Um, he was incredible in 2018. And, you know, I ranked him capably, but I wasn't totally sold. Uh, injuries really kind of clouded his season this year. He's only made 20 starts, but the second half has really seen Fulton saddle back in um in fact so the way his trajectory went is he didn't start until april 27th pitched from april 27th to june 22nd with a 637 era went back on the il for two plus months 44 days missed and then he returned on august 6th since then 235 era for fulton with a 108 whip 
23% strikeout rate, 7% walk. That's probably the best part of it. And uh, he's been great. He's been a big part of what the Braves are doing. I think if he has a big playoff, his price is going to go sky high. I remain kind of in between. He's the 68th SP off the board in the two early mocks. That's about where I'm going to rank him, maybe a little bit higher. How do you feel about Fulton now that he's returned from the IL, looks healthy again, and is pitching brilliantly? So, I mean, yeah, I see that in the mocks. I see him, I mean, okay, for 12-teamers, you go about 275 picks or so. And he's mm-hmm. hovering the <laughs> final rounds effectively there. Uh, I, I, I think he's going to be eventually closer to 200 or so. I don't know if I, he's going to be a target for mine. For me, though, rather, sorry. Uh, his, his velocity's down. So it's <laughs> right around 95 as opposed to the 96 and change that we saw previous seasons. Um, we actually even saw it 97 uh, almost in uh, 2017. But And, and he's main, a legit triple-digit threat for the right, images. Right. Uh, it, even in this uh, stretch from August 1st, he still only has a 10.3% swing strike rate overall, which isn't so and, encouraging. 23% strikeout rate. And let me interject quickly. Yeah. Even with last year's 27% strikeout rate, it was a 10% swing right. strike. 100%. He's always been this guy where we can't marry the two. And it's like, hmm, how does he do it? Is he just getting – do his swinging strikes come on an approach-based thing where he gets them later in the count? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I really wish I had it in front of me because I'm pretty sure he is better than his uh, – his CSW is relatively higher for swing strike rate than his swing strike rate is. I believe – Oh, I wish I... Okay, that's just conjecture, though. Anyway, <laughs> I don't have the hard evidence. I wish I did. Um, with Fulton Nevich, I don't love his changeup and curveball. If they've been good in the last two months. That's, an, that's a good thing. I don't trust it over the course of a full season again. I think he'll be fine in 12-teamers. I think he's someone that you're not going to hate yourself for drafting if the price isn't too high. It doesn't seem like it will. There'll be a lot of... Names that are going to be much, much more. Uh, I think. I think, for example, Manaya is going to go at, at a higher price than yeah. Fultinevich will. And these that, were fifteen teamers, by the way. But right. um, you know, Manaya did go higher. Some other names around him: Reynaldo Lopez, Yanni Chirinos, Stephen Matz. You're done to me after this week against <laughs> Miami. Get out of here. Uh, Lance McCullers Jr. returning. Jack Flaherty, right. yeah, sure. senior. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> You know, oh, there's some other guys, Joe Musgrove, Griffin Canning, that we like actually going later than Fulty, but I feel like we would pass Fulty to take Musgrove and Canning, respectively, yep. two, two of our guys. Uh, so, yeah, I just don't know that you and I are going to end up much with Fultonevich. Now, yeah, I do think that the September will elevate him a little bit. And as you mentioned, too, the playoff tax is sure to hit Fultonevich if he does well. I, it's just that I don't see myself in a league like, okay, cool, he's the guy that I'm going to go for. If he falls enough where he's you know my sixth or seventh starter, sure, I, I sure. don't think I'd be upset about that. There's always a price, right? but I, I don't think we're going to get that on Fulton Hemage. No, I don't think so either. I think he's somebody that as, as okay, let's let's just give him a good playoff, not not something overwhelming that, that sure. Bueller, Bueller taxes, and we'll, we'll say it's a solid playoff. Then as people study over the winter, they'll be like, Oh, yeah. Remember, he had a 285 last year. We need to get back in on this. He closed strong, and then I think his price will start rising. And I could see Fulton being like a top 55 starter, uh, which would make him about a top 200 pick. And I think that prices us out. Yeah, that does. I mean, that's what I expect. Early 50s as well. I would rather go after Manaya than I would Fulton I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate owning him. 
No, no, no. Um, no, it's uh, it's if gonna I got be really close unquote, on Monday between Manai, Manai and Fulty for me. Yeah, if I got quote unquote stuck with him, it, it, there are worse players to get stuck with. But he's right. not a target. How about that? Yeah, that's that really great. What trying to uh, underline here is that we're not targeting him, but we're not running away from Fultonevich either. It's the thing. The thing that's crazy though, if you watch that last start against the Giants, it was so good. It was <laughs> it was as good as I've seen his slider in a long time. When but, that slider's on, it's one of the best. But going. that's the thing, right? It's not always on, and it was Correct. always on in 2018. This year, even in this hot start or this stretch, rather, mm-hmm. hasn't always been on. So it's uh, it's still something that you have to keep in mind entering 2020. Now, a guy we may be running from, even though his price is is quite low, um, is Dakota Hudson. And yeah. I know Cardinals fans are throwing their devices right now. They don't <laughs> want to listen to this podcast anymore because we dared to besmirch the great name of Dakota Hudson. Now, he's had a 257 ERA and 114 whip down the stretch here. 345 and 141 on the season tells the bigger picture, but... He has brought that whip down during this big run, which is, is something I needed to see because he's always carried that high whip with the good ERA, and, and it's it's always suspect uh, when, you, when you're running like that. But 257-114 ERA whip combo, but 18% strikeout, 13% walk. This is all contact management sprinkled with plenty of good luck. He's a heavy ground baller. But during this stretch here, again, since August 1st, it's a 180 average on a 212 BABIP. And so he's very clearly generating weak contact. They're turning it into outs at an alarming uh, and, and excellent rate. It's really hard to buy in here. I don't know what to make. Like, If you're just going to look at the traditional numbers of strikeout and walks and all that, you're not going to be in on Dakota Hudson. But he, I don't think he can be measured by those traditional numbers. I don't think it's fair to do that. But even going in that second level, I don't know, Nick. Uh, is this a guy that you want to pin any hopes on, even as an SP seven or eight? No, no. <laughs> I mean, we were I talking beforehand. So. You, you brought it up as as Trevor Williams two point um, And uh, while we were north before on Hudson, now we are South Dakota <laughs> uh, because it, this is just ridiculous. He has a two twelve BABIP. And I put out a tweet earlier today asking like who uh, Justin Verlander has a 218 BABIP this year, which is the third lowest uh, of any pitcher in the past 20 years. And it's because most of his hits are homers. <laughs> right. I, I, I wanted to kind of mention that. I thought it was interesting. But Marco Estrada and Julio Tejeron are the other two, 216 and 217 respectively. Wow. And it's 212 in this stretch for Dakota Hudson where he has this ridiculous, ridiculous, what, 1-4 ERA or so. Uh, 1.2, no, that's uh, a 257. 257 ERA. And a 5.50 Sierra. It's <laughs> ridiculous. And the thing is, too, 212 Babbitt with a 114 whip because of that high walk rate. Even yes. when he gets the best Babbitt you can in any way imagine with Dakota Hudson. It's still only a 114 whip, which is good. Exactly. But, it, but but if you give most guys a 212 Babbitt, <laughs> their whip is going to be sub one. Sean Manaya's 194 BABIP in this in the five starts, 0.78 whip. Bingo. So it's, uh, I, I don't know what you're chasing. Are you hoping for this luck? Because it won't arrive again. So no. it, the only scenario I can fathom owning Hudson is if you're in a quality start league and it's your last pick. And even yeah, then, that's fair. I don't necessarily, I would rather stream it than I would go after Hudson just because when it doesn't go right, there's nothing to salvage with that strikeout rate. 
Exactly. It's just not something I want to go for. He, he does have 18 quality starts. And so you, you, do, uh, you do like that. 18 out of his 32 starts. Uh, or no, 31 starts. And one relief appearance this year for Dakota Hudson. And so, yeah, that's the thing. It's just, it's not a dynamic profile. And you bring that up. That's why we like some of the strikeout guys so much. Is that even, you know... <laughs> Unfortunately, it's happened a lot this year with Trevor Bauer, but that's, you know, when it goes south for him, he still tacks on seven strikeouts. And so you actually still get a little something even when he gets bombed out. Right. When Dakota Hudson goes wrong, you get literally nothing. And what's kind of nuts is he has this cutter that's really good. It's a 20% swing strike rate on his cutter that he's thrown uh, 702 times this season, 193 average allowed. Like, that's actually a good pitch that maybe he does change into a strikeout offering, but the fact that his uh, sinker gets so much contact and it's just not a good pitch. I mean, we're talking negative 5.7 PVL on it and your 300 average, 300 BABIP on it. It's 11 home runs a lot on a sinker. You don't really want to see that. And he's a two-pitch guy. And that's it. Oh, yeah. The slider that's slower than that cutter is not a good offering. 321 average allowed on 276 thrown. 8.6% 8.6% swing strike rate on that. So that's not the answer. And it, honestly, it's really like slider and curveball, but whatever. I'm just going to call it this for now. Yeah. Uh, and he, <laughs> it's like a and, hybrid. Yeah. And then, uh, then changeup is really just not there. He rarely throws it, but it's it's not good. <laughs> the, the one thing I'll say is that the market is not overrating Hudson. He had a 285 ADP, put him as the 79th pitcher in the two early mocks. And... Um, you know, that's that's not out of bounds. Now, Smata does not include the auto picks. And so when you see a hyphen and then the pick, that's an auto pick. That's not included in the ADP or else it would be higher because somebody autoed Dakota Hudson at pick 101. What? In, in one of the two early mocks. That's, that's ridiculous. And I imagine yeah. it's because he he rates highly because of the ERA. So and the wins like he he has a high SP rating on the fan tracks for 2019 season, 16 wins, 3.45 ERA. I bet that's gotcha. why he was there. And so if somebody missed their pick, he was the next auto pick. Right, right. I would. I uh, there's one. Uh, this, okay, so this is something that I saw last year that I kind of expected would happen, and I was I don't know. There's part of me that was disappointed, but also really happy was that Derek Rodriguez. We thought that, oh, he did really well for the Giants. Everyone would jump on this, and it's on us to tell them, no, 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 don't do that. Well, he actually just, no one cared about him, like, at all. And this is a guy who had a, a, yeah, he was at 281 ERA last year, uh, you know, with a similar caper nine of 677 over 118 uh, innings. And you would think that people would jump on that. They didn't. Kind of reminds me of this a bit. And I do wonder if that's exactly what's going to happen. It's that no one actually is going to go after Dakota Hudson. We're going to say like, hey, guys, you might be into this, but don't do it. Everyone says, and they're like, we're nah, not into this. Now nah, we're good. You know, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I thought there was a path for Derek Rodriguez if he, if he curated his arsenal properly. Sure. That he could have continued to find some success. Uh, he did not, though. 527 ERA this year in 97 innings, up and down from the minors, only four, uh, only 15 starts out of his 27 appearances. It just wasn't there. But yeah, he was a 342 ADP. So you're right, people were not overpaying for that, uh, f- for that um, big season that he had last year. And I think Hudson is going to fall somewhat into that category. Again, I will say the same thing, though, barring a potential 
playoff tax. If he throws some gems for them, some right. six, seven inning gems in the playoffs, people will be like, oh, I, I need to take a deeper look. No, you don't. Um, he's just one of those guys who's going to be better in real life than he ever is in fantasy. And unless you think you're going to get 16 wins again, you don't want him. Yep. I mean, it's, it is similar to Derek Rodriguez, too, because there is a path with that cutter. It's a really good pitch, but it's you have to get a better sinker then. You have to get a better fastball to pair for with, sure. otherwise it's just not going to work the way you want it to. All right, next up. Now, we are catching him on, on a down end here. Unfortunately, Aaron Savale uh, was rough last night against the White Sox. And so those who had been relying on him all year, he's been fantastic. Um, they, they caught the wrong end uh, here down the stretch, whether it's in a, a roto or a head-to-head situation. But since August 1st, he has a 261 ERA and 106 whip in 51 and two-thirds innings, a 20% strikeout, 6% walk. Honestly, for the full season, he's at 234-104. I could have used his full season, except the only thing is that includes one spot start back in June. So it doesn't really change <laughs> It doesn't really change things that much. It seems like, oh, right. well, why didn't you just include that? It was a spot start against Detroit, so basically another minor league start. But, you know, Cleveland's turned into kind of this pitching factory. So even though... You know, he's not he's not Bieber. He doesn't have near the skills, but I would take like I, I, I would put him like above a Adam Plutko, Josh Tomlin level and below a Shane Bieber. I'd put him in the middle there. Sure. And I think Savale is pretty decent. I, I think I, he's somebody I'm kind of interested in. And I don't know that there's going to be a major price attached. 86th SP off the board at pick 309 on average. And that's with a 151 high pick that was actually included. That was not an auto pick. Someone took him as high as 151. And, um, you know, if he's living in the 300s, I think Aaron Savali is pretty solid. He doesn't have a great uh, arsenal and doesn't have a ton of swing and miss. But I think on that team, he can put up like a 360, 375 ERA type with a good whip. And I would take that. What do you think of Aaron Savale and his kitchen sink approach? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I guess my first question is Zach Plesak or Savale for you? That yeah, I should have brought him up because they are they are closer. Um, I like Savali just by a shred, but I have a tough time really distinguishing between the two. Yeah, right. Um, so okay, with Savali, he has a curveball that he has increased its usage a little bit more down the stretch, which is good because that's a pitch that actually can miss some bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a near fifteen percent swing strike rate, forty nine percent plus O swing, but just about a hundred pitches. While his slider and cutter aren't nearly as effective. Uh, I mean, they're good at inducing weaker contact. They've gotten low averages, each slider at 107, and the, the cutter at 234. Uh, the cutter really is the strike-getting pitch for Savale. Yeah, not that's, Savale, that's, his, just that's his A pitch. <laughs> um, but he's also gotten pretty fortunate, I think, with the, with the sinker that I don't think is that great. It's about 92.5 or so, and has had good results, but I, that's not something I would... Uh, lean on 94% contact rate on that only 15% O swing that's not really something you want to see we're not very Uh, pro sinker here anyway well and also with sinkers you want to see a higher O swing because that means that he's jamming guys effectively where they'll Mm -hmm. swing on the inside uh, off the inside corner and he's not really doing that so that's not that's like the best that's the best way to be effective with sinkers and he's not really taking advantage of that so I'm not yeah I'm definitely not pro this sinker at all uh, so that's a little interesting for me. Maybe that, that cutter as the strike pitch and then the curveball underneath as his one-two option with sneaking in the sinkers kind of like Tanaka could work well. 
But I would say overall, Plesak's fastball is better than Savale's. And yeah. because of that, I'm going to buy into Plesak more. There's nothing from Savale that really is convincing me that this can work on a major level. Well, I think Plesak with his fastball on a given day with his deception can be a little bit more consistent. But I don't like either one, honestly. I don't I don't want to target either. I, I think they're both kind of replacement level at the back end um, for 12-teamers. For 15-teamers, I get it. You'll probably get the the innings from either one. They should... The, the biggest question, really, is that technically the Indians have six guys next year. Uh, they have Kluber, Carrasco, hopefully both healthy and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then you Clev. have Biebs and Clev. So then and then the two. Right. And I would think it would go to Plesak. Uh So Why? maybe there's a trade. For you know, Cleaver, Kluber goes off or something like that. Well, Plesak was the first one up, and generally, yeah, has he does been have more effective. He has double the uh, double the output. Twenty starts to ten, and and I mean, yes, September has been better for for Savali than it has been for Plesak, but I don't really think that's going to turn uh, the favor for Savali. But I, uh, it's, but not, it's not, we also yeah. know that you start with five, you're not getting the full season. Well, no, no, right, with exactly. The same five, but but that's the thing too is also let's say coming out of this into the season. You have Plesak as the fifth and not Savali. I don't want to. I'm not holding on to Savali. Sure. You know, I, can I mean, just pick not, him up when he does get an opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. Interestingly enough, uh, Plesak was not drafted in the. Wait, hang on, hang on. RP? I bet he's under RP. I'm going to check right now because there's no way that he wasn't drafted. Yeah, there he is. 348. And what did I say uh, Savali was? Savali, Savali is 308. 308. That's interesting. So, you know, a couple rounds apart there. Uh, I think they should be closer because they're more or less the same guy. Yeah, I think I think I think they're pretty close there, Savali and Plesac. And I agree with you as far as like seeing which one wins the fifth starter job and and maybe rostering him late as a reserve, uh, but not holding the other. It's not one of those scenarios where you're like, well, I gotta hold this gem for when he comes right. through because you don't know when it's gonna happen. If there is a team that you could project to use the bulk of their starters all year, it would be this Cleveland team because as long as they're healthy, Bieber, Clevenger, Carrasco, and Kluber aren't going anywhere. Yeah, right. And so their you know, injury would be the only thing that's going to open up an avenue or, there. So, Or a trade. They've been talking about dealing Kluber for years. So that's we'll true. See. And But now is not the time with his value low. You would think <laughs> before it was the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'd still get so. something. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah, they you never know. They might have some pitching moves to make. Um, you know, they're going to lose Puig, so the outfield once again becomes an issue um, because you know it's Mercado and clowns. I mean, it's it's back to one guy, and um, so they need to figure that out. They really do like Tyler Naquin, but we'll we'll see. Anyway, I don't want to derail on hitters. Let's go to our <laughs> next guy here. How dare you? Let's go to Sandy Alcantara. Sure. Now he came over in the Marcelo Zuna deal, and I think. From day one, people have been putting him in the bullpen. Uh, he's he's got a big time fastball. As far as velocity goes, he hasn't really shown the swing and miss to go with with uh, with that velocity. But he's had a he's had a fine season. He was their All Star representative, and um, it probably should have been Caleb Smith if you're kind of going off of what they had done at the half season. But now looking at it on the overall season. That stands the test of time where Alcantara uh, has actually been has been better. And um, he's closing really nicely. 290 uh, ERA 101 whip in 68 in the third innings. 21% strikeout, 7% walk rate. 
uh, really limiting contact, 230 BABIP, 196 average. What are we seeing out of Alcantara? And can he ever amplify the Ks to really be something special, to go with that mid-90s heater and the uh, and the slider? Can he get something going to where the strikeouts are appealing? Yeah, so this is uh, this is the opposite of Savali Sinker because Savali Sinker had about a 15% O-swing, but Sandy Alcantara's 32%. That's what you want to see. He has a really good sinker. Uh, mm-hmm. 95 to 96 on the pitch, 11% swing strike rate on a sinker. What? That's absurd. That's, that's really good. Uh, and a 49% zone rate. So he, it's okay seeing that sub 50% zone rate on a sinker because he gets the O swing. So he's still the getting chase. the swings yeah. and he's still getting the strikes with it. Tax all the time with it. 64% ground ball rate, uh, sub 20% fly ball. That's good to see on the pitch. That's what he's trying to do. I, I I like that, and the, the question's always been, is the secondary stuff going to be there to complement it? And, of course, you know, please don't throw this pitch over the plate constantly. <laughs> so, so Slider has taken a step forward this year. I do like that he's able to throw for strikes now. 48% zone rate. Last year, it was 30% in the small sample that we saw. Uh, 34% O-swing. I will take that on his slider. It's not... Uh, I don't think that this is the pitch that's really going to put away guys. Maybe eventually... But for now, just to see him confidently throwing it for strikes and having something to complement the sinker when they're not swinging on the inside pitches that go off the plate, that's very strong. And then you also have a changeup over 40% zone rate. There's a common theme here. He can throw everything for a strike. Yeah. 16.5% swing, strike rate 44% O swing. That is a money pitch, yet it hasn't had money value because it actually has a negative 0.3 P value. Here's a question. So, yeah. With somebody like. Alcantara and, and what you're describing here, particularly with the sinker, does he just not get to strikeout capabilities because he's inducing weak contact earlier in counts? And no, I, I wouldn't say that's the case here. Um, okay, I, w- I would say with Alcantara, he is very volatile. Yes, uh, he he is a pitcher who. Um, I mean, it's kind of interesting. You see the, the the season develop, and he's gotten fewer blowups. Among mm-hmm. the good starts, slowly and steadily, and that's been the exciting thing about Bakatara. Uh, I I hope I'm crossing my fingers for the second year in a row that his Sunday performance uh, wins people leagues. Yes, <laughs> you, you know what's you know what's really interesting about Alcantara too. If you had him all year, let's say you played in a league that of depth that that required that somebody like Alcantara be on a team all year. Mm-hmm. You might have curated something as low as like a three ERA. Every one of his blowups is against a team that you could feasibly say, I'm not starting him. Seven against Minnesota. Easy out. That was on July 31st. We already knew they were good. Six against Philly on April 12th. Now, that was at home. You probably took that, even though Philly was in April, a team that you were worried about. So we'll keep that one on. But then Washington, June 27th. You don't want anything to do with that, even at home. At the Dodgers on July 20th, six runs. Nothing to do with that. Right. Cubs on April 17th, five runs. The only downside is that all but the Dodgers one was at home. So you might have gone for a few of them more than not. Sure. But you could have curated your way to to a low three ZRA with Alcantara if you've been using him all year. Uh, the only thing is you would have also missed seven innings of two earned run ball at Colorado because there's no way. That's you okay. That's fine. But yeah, you, I mean, that, he needed four walks, four walks and two strikeouts. He didn't deserve that. In that's the first part place. of exactly. That's part of the deal when when you're going to curate is that right. you have knowledge that you're going to miss some gems against tough teams. Yep. So but I I'm saying it could have been quite quite an ERA there for those that uh, really played the numbers with Alcantara. 
so, the, so that's the thing, though, um, is that volatility, that bouncing back and forth, it is nice to see that it is matchup dependent in some fashion. Mm-hmm. I, I, am, I am worried for next year if we are going to see another gear, because I need to see the one. Uh, I, in this state, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting and owning and tossing out there Alcantara. I need to see a guy that feels more confident gaining those swings and misses consistently with that slider and change up, getting ahead and attacking effectively with that sinker. Uh, I don't really ever expect him to be a top 30 guy. I don't really think he is going to put it all together and have that magical stretch that will just change everything. Okay. Uh, so I'm personally not ticking him off. But I am intrigued, and he is someone that at the end of drafts, if I just need to take a flyer and say, you know what, maybe this does turn around, maybe this does, he does turn into the guy we want him to be, I'm okay with it, because that is a power sinker that can be very effective. We've seen it with Frankie Montes, for example. Yes, we have, and, and uh, he returned with a nice outing there. Right? Too bad he uh, took PEDs, or else he'd be in the playoffs. <laughs> so, so the slider, as long as the slider develops and the changeup develops, and he really tacks properly with them, uh, until I really see that, I'm personally out. But okay. in drafts, I mean, he's going to go for the cost of free, probably. He's a fifth starter, um, pick 255. Get out of here. But he's nine picks uh, higher than somebody I think you would definitely take ahead of him, Pablo Lopez, his teammate, 24-year-old teammate. And now this was somebody you really liked coming into the season. He had his fits and starts. Um, he wasn't on our list here, but just give a quick thought on on Pablo Lopez and, and where you Man. come away after this uh, 107 inning season of frustration. Well, hold on a second. I got to take this foot out of my mouth. Hold on. <laughs> ah, there we go. Hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, okay. The reason I was very hyped on Pablo Lopez is because I thought that his velocity that he had in the spring would stick, mm-hmm. uh, and it did not. It did a little bit, but it did not. And the other major problem was that his curveball and changeup just were not what it was. They they showed up a couple times, but they would just go in and out, in and out, and it was so frustrating. The injury didn't help him. Since uh, he since he's returned, he really has only had maybe one start where he was locked in with those two pitches at the down down of the zone consistently. <laughs> and I haven't really seen the Pablo Lopez that I was dreaming of and enamored of. Uh, I would actually lean slightly to Alcantara at this okay. point. That is Just, surprising. I mean, it, it's it's a little bit more so that I'm out on Pablo Lopez. At Correct. The yeah, that, that that's more an indictment of Lopez from previous hype that you had for him versus love for Alcantara. Okay, right. that's that's understandable and that's fair. Uh, plus, I will mention one more time that uh, Griffin Canning is going after both of them, and that's who you'd wait for anyway. Oh man, he you'd is much so rather good. take Canning. He is and, so good. He might be the uh, breakdown that I have at, uh, every year when I launch uh, the new version of the site. I do a gift breakdown. I might just do it at Griffin Cannon. Cannon could be the guy. You know, he's. I mean, <laughs> even even if he jumps from this two seventy three price, uh, with with your hype, I don't think he's going to go to a price that's unaffordable. Right. I mean, I mean I, even I even if you I pushed him like, like Pavetta, though, I'll be careful. No, but I mean, even if you pushed him like fifty picks higher to the two twenty range, and he was a top sixty starter, I. I don't really have a problem oh, yeah. with that, right? Oh, yeah. So it's that's, like that's, yeah, that's easy, easy peasy. Easy. Um, all right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our last guy here. This was a guy when he was coming back. I tell people, be, be very cautious. I don't want to dive in. If we see something, then you can get in. So I miss out on guys like this that end up, you know, coming back strong right away. And it's the Nelson Lamette. Because TJ returners are 
guys I don't really get in on unless they did the 18-month thing. That's a totally different scenario, though. The guys that are returning in season, I feel like they're going to have ups and downs. Whoops, sorry, I smacked my mic when I hit the up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, think I feel like they're going to have ups and downs. I don't want to deal with the volatility. It's sometimes not, not even due to their own thing. It's just the way the arm is healing that they can give up eight earned after putting together four straight quality starts and it, it erases all the good work. And so I usually don't want to deal with it. Lamette has been an exception. He's been absolutely awesome. And then since this period of August 1st on that, we're looking at 50 innings of a 360 ERA, 120 whip, 36% strikeout rate. So even though the ERA is not over the top, the whip is strong and the strikeouts are brilliant. And that's what's really driven Lamette's uh, success here and made him somebody that's definitely helping people down the stretch in their fantasy playoffs and in their uh, in their roto chases, including 24 strikeouts in his last two starts at Milwaukee and against the Dodgers. Uh, what do you think of the Nelson Lamette? Two-pitch guy that that has shown flashes before, back from TJ, having this flourish. Are you in on him, and and are we finally seeing something uh, of a third pitch? Because I've had I've heard some suggestions that this cur- that the slider's breaking off into a a hybrid. Right. Yeah. That's a that's what they're saying. That's a slider slash curveball. But mm-hmm. I don't buy that for a second. Um, I don't. Really. I mean, it, it could be it could be like Patrick Corbin's who would slow down his arm speed to get more of a curve to it. Same thing that Jake mm-hmm. Junis did it a couple times. Uh, actually has a bit this season is turn that slider more into a curveball just by slowing his arm speed. But uh, I don't really recommend it. We really do see some massive success unless you're changing your grip and your arm slot with it, like we've seen with Kluber, like we've seen with Adovino. Uh And that's not really what I don't... I don't think that's what these guys are doing. Uh, with Lamet, I, I mean, you mentioned this with Fulton Nevich being a year early. Um, I, in 2018, I put out a bold prediction that Lamet and Robbie Ray would be within... Would essentially be the same pitcher in 2018, and I was wrong then because you know Lamette had Tommy John. Sure, but I think anyone now is says, "Oh yeah, right." They pretty much are the same pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because they are strikeout heavy, super reliant on their breaking ball. Their fastball is going to get hammered, and they don't have a third pitch that they can trust. Nope. Um, they, they we used to see Lamette's split changeup for a moment that could be so filthy and then not because it's a split changeup. So that's pretty much just been pushed away. Fastball has been a negative pitch by absurd standards, essentially negative ten, while his slider has been super positive in double digits. And I don't think this is going to change. Oh, I will s- He's got a minus 10 this year. Wow, he does. Holy smokes. Yes. I didn't even yeah. realize that. Um, I do like the fact that his velocity has gone up in September. He gained more arm strength back. Mm-hmm. We've seen 97 all of a sudden when we were seeing just 94, 95 previously. Uh, so 96, 97 in September is really exciting. It the, the whole thing, though, to me, screams discount Ray. I mean, if you don't want to spend for Robbie Ray early on, you just get Dennis Lamette and you should be happy. I don't like that the Padres baby him a little bit. Maybe it was just because of Tommy John. They said that he was just going to go five innings. Mm-hmm. I, that could be just the Padres in general. You uh, don't think that... They go stick for next year. They could go 6-7 more consistently just because it's the year removed from Tommy John. But it, I hate that, that I have any sort of doubt attached to that. By the way, he... He missed all of 18, so maybe I should have been in on him. He did have the 18-month thing. I'm an idiot. Oh, so um, it was 2017 I made that then. Yeah, okay. yeah, Um You don't think that some of the, the babying is because he only has two pitches, so he's a third time through susceptible candidate? It, it very much could be. 
because he had a 990 OPS third time through back in 2017. That, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, at the same time, why isn't Jack Flaherty going through that? But I mean, ah, the curveball's better. The curveball's better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've seen that before. We've seen guys essentially, if you have two amazing pitches, it doesn't really matter. But he doesn't. He just has one. So yeah, I think you might be right about that. They're just like, hey, you know what? You're good. You've gotten already 10 strikeouts in five innings. Everything's fine. Yeah, well, but, we're just going to go with what we got here. But that's the thing. You're going to have a lot of three-and-run five-inning games. And it really depends on how much you need those strikeouts. I'm most likely not going to turn to Lamette. Um, Just in my nature, I go for the guys that are strikeout-heavy. I rarely go for your uh, your Toby types that are going to be, I don't know, Dallas Keiko kind of thing, where it's low strikeout efforts but more ratio-focused. But wouldn't you love this then? I I don't go for those guys. Oh, you if don't I go did, for the strikeout guys. No, 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 no. I, I well, no, if I well, that fits I, the strikeout thing. Well, only if you pair it with those low ratio guys too. I go for the strikeout guys because I believe that they the essentially strikeouts generally do lead to good ratios too. They shake each other's hand for the most part. Sure. Well, strikeouts shake the ratios hand. Ratios don't really strike. His out. his whip hasn't been too bad. A one twenty five. All things considered for Lamette in his 187 major league innings isn't too bad, but the 437 ERA isn't isn't that great. With a 4, right. 418 FIP suggests that he's earning his ERA. I, I mean, I see I see this year, 126, 407, 34% K rate. That sounds right. I mean, I would I'll honestly take a step back on the I K mean, rate a little bit. Your, your but Ray that's good. comment. I mean, right-handed yeah. Ray. Right-handed, cheaper Ray. Yeah. That I mean, that really that I mean, really I'm not going fits. after Ray. So. Yeah, me neither. I'm not going after Bauer either, who's the king of their of their group. <laughs> oh, that is such a fun discussion with that. No one is going to win. Listen, <laughs> he has a deeper arsenal, but that's the only thing that is different. Other other than that, the exact same profile. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, okay. So so it, now with 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 the Lamet Ray comp you're making, that makes a lot more sense because they're two pitch guys. When I bring Bauer into the fold, I'm not saying it's the same way that they get there, but I'm talking statistical profile. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, right. So you also brought up Chris Archer. Correct. Um, Good before. Chris. Archer. I, that that's like yeah, that's that's all in there with. Yep. Well, you brought him up with Bauer. I think of him more with Ray. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. So for me personally, it's. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm disagreeing. It's a more convincing argument, obviously, because right as you said, the the repertoire being the same that would dictate this kind of performance. Cool, the strike. It's going to be like because that one pitch is really good, but the mm-hmm. overall consistency of the ratios because he doesn't have the stuff. Because Bauer has fallen into that, it does. It's the less convincing of me that he can't remove it. Well, he yeah, because he has avenues out. Right. right? If they're all stuck in this bubble. Who has the avenues out? Somebody who develops one of those guys who develops a third pitch, or somebody like Bauer who has fifty pitches. You know, you know what this? You know, this is the worst analogy. Uh, imagine uh, Lomet and Ray and Archer just kind of going on cars down the road like way too fast. Then all of a sudden, uh, Bauer right now got on a motorcycle and went across the entire lane. So like it's stupid levels. So like they crash together and yes. like, oh you're all being idiots together yes but he but, could have but, easily gone right, past but that. bauer could be going across perpendicular right that's, that, that's hilarious and uh <laughs> terrible and great at the same time and i like it uh and that's gonna wrap us up that, that, that those are those are six six uh second half standouts actually uh, since august 1st standouts we want to kind of assess where we're at with them i feel like we're pretty strong on Manaya. uh 
medium on Fultonevich, out on Hudson, out on Savali. If he doesn't win the job, I'm more in if he does than you. Alcantara at the price is fine, but we're not necessarily seeing the next level. And Denelson Lamet is right-handed Robbie Ray. Yeah, exactly. So we're kind of tapping on him. So yep. um, we're not stopping, obviously, for the offseason. Uh, I don't know our exact schedule. <laughs> but uh, we will still be doing pods well, and we're going to be together in two weeks. So we're going to do yeah, we something are. there. We're doing a live pod. You're going to be on. Yes. Me, you and Justin uh, and oh, Jason. It's actually going to be a four man. So, um, yeah, you'll be there for that. But we'll, we'll pod before then. Obviously, we're not going two plus weeks without anything. And I'll still be doing solos. And, um, yeah, so what's what's coming up at Pitcherless for the offseason? What, what what goes on there? I don't oh, think they go, the site goes dark. That doesn't sound right. Oh, of course not. <laughs> um, I will say this. If you're going to First Pitch Arizona, come say hi to us. Absolutely. I would love to beat you. I, but no, it's like, Pitcherless. It's not like you said beat. What? It sounded like you said beat you. You did say meet, but it, oh, the way no, it yeah, no, no, slightly no, no. sounded like you Meats. said beat you. <laughs> Come up, I'll stop I mean, you I understand. I understand if you took Barrow because of me. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, at Pitcherless, we actually have a massive plan. Uh, we're doing full-on preview uh, profiles for every single player. Excellent. So that's for for the bullpens, for, uh, for rotations. I'm going to be handing all the rotation ones. That's my off-season project. Excellent. Uh, we have a team working on all hitter profiles. Really looking forward to that. We have a fantasy one-on-one section. It's essentially going to be this amazing fantasy book for beginners and experts alike. We're all going to chime in about what we do as an al- uh, analyst and why we like guys and why we don't and myths during the season. And of course, we have our gift breakdown uh, coming up for the uh, the pitcher list uh, launch on February fourth and five which I cannot tell you what's in, but you're gonna love it. I'm pretty It'll be sure. Some good stuff. Oh man, it's like I can't wait. site. It's a site I've been dreaming of making for since the beginning. So uh, I really look forward to sharing it with all of you guys. Can't wait. Can't wait. So, um, all right. Well, hope you have a great weekend, Nick. We'll be back sometime next week. Do a little something, something, and. Uh, and then I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. Sounds great, right, Spore. Have a good one. Always fun hanging with you by the fire. Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spore and at PitcherList.